Which was good times. Good times on the Gold Coast. <laughs> you got already. Yeah. I, I always do that. There's I hit B- the button. You, you should have B-roll. You should have, like, create a little file of all the B-roll that we can... Mate, I reckon... I'm oh, rock I, solid. At a pinch. Now, at a pinch, we could put together all the B-roll and put that out as a podcast. I'm the, rock the, solid, the, the weeks. If I had stuff on you, you don't want to put out. Let me just say that. Fair enough. No, no, got, <laughs> I, my conscience is clear. He's <laughs> <laughs> a c- um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That was Trevor said that, not me. I could beep that and leave it in just for fun. <laughs> It'll just go beep. Beep is a, a beep. Yeah, and then you'll go, who are they talking about? Woo! Yeah. Same black as always. Um. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Now it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For my latest news about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Episode 338, thanks to the good people at Netgear and Hisense. Travel along with you from EFTM.com. Stephen Fennick from techguide.com today. Where have you been? Uh, I've been uh, on the Gold Coast for a couple of days. I went up as a, as a guest of Optus. We went to see their 5G demo, which we'll talk about in the show. It was uh, really impressive. But basically, you brushed me, so we couldn't do a show. I brushed you, really. Yeah. Is that right? No, that, that wasn't that wasn't the uh, the motivation. Mate. I was sitting in the studio, twiddling my thumbs, waiting yeah. for you to turn up. You didn't turn up. I, well, <laughs> I did suggest a, fri- a late Friday afternoon a Friday afternoon recording. Mm. You said, yeah, yeah, sweet, come around at eight. And I said, if Souths are playing at eight, mate, I won't be coming then. Oh, so that's two strikes for <laughs> Stephen, right? So you've just confirmed two strikes. You think I was going to record the podcast while Souths were playing? That's, well, uh, mate, that's fantasy. You could have come after the game. Yeah. What, at 9.30? Would have, uh, my, my, oh, like I'm not used my, to being up late. My passport wasn't ready to go. Oh, I, had to, I had to look for it. And then the week before that, we were both in uh, Chicago right. with Apple, but the timeline was tight and I left pretty much hours after the event. So yeah. there was simply no time, so unfortunately. You brushed me in that case. No, brushed I think me. that's just down to you know, a travel arrangement. It was, it was a t- because, it was the two blokes, schedule. because the two blokes don't fly on the same plane. That's right. Yeah, it's protocol. Yeah, protocol. Right. protocol. <laughs> but now that was a tight schedule. We'll talk about that too, the Apple event in Chicago. That so was, we'll uh, cover a bit yeah. uh, of tech news over the last little while, but uh, we'll, the headlines will be uh, will be obvious to you here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Strangely enough, uh, when we last recorded, which granted is a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. the same story led the show Facebook. Yeah. I mean, this is very interesting to me that this has dragged on so long. And I say dragged on because the, the core issue of Cambridge Analytica is so small in the general scheme of data breaches because it's not a breach it's not a hack in any way yeah. in the scheme of data tracking because there's a lot more tracking goes on in the world like it's actually just a great story obviously that's been uncovered well but because it's been reported in mainstream media in such an extreme way the actual cambridge analytica thing with the political ramifications it had the context to be to be taken yeah. further so i mean i reckon i've done this story four times on the today show in different ways yeah. we've we've all written articles about it in many different ways the difference today is that either today tomorrow very soon um, facebook is going to update the news feed to include um, a, a a note if you were one of the 300 odd thousand aussies affected by cambridge analytica yeah. 
researchers. Um, two, they're going to add new buttons apparently for uh, accessing the um, privacy and security settings. Um, and those two things should give pause to people, hopefully, after all this attention to just stop and, and yeah. take a look at that stuff. I, th I think this whole thing, look, no, no one would should be surprised that Facebook uses your data. No one should be surprised. The way they get your data, that's obviously something else as well. But I think this story just keeps finding legs. It keeps having an extended life because I think initially we thought it was 50 million people's data. Then it was 87 million people's data. Then Mark Zuckerberg admits to doing this and that. I think the, the biggest takeaway for everyone is it's just this massive wake-up call as to, okay, yeah, my data is out there and... The other thing that people have discovered is that it's their fault. Well, it's, they've, they've kind of approved it. It's not like yeah. Facebook has come in and, and sort of done something underhanded and taken your data without your knowledge. All those apps that you've just logged in using your Facebook account, that's kind of given them permission without us reading the fine print. So it's a wake-up call both ends to say, yeah, they've got a lot of our data, they've got a lot of our information. I think you said what you had a gigabyte of data that you downloaded. Yeah. So... It is a wake-up call, but also it, we also should be mindful of the fact that we are actually giving this away. It's not like they've, they've held us a gunpoint and taken this information. Yeah, I mean, I've written stories years ago um, about how those quizzes that you fill out are taking your information and trying to encourage people to click that edit button. So you, it says log in with Facebook, and then you go, yes. Uh, and then it says, you know, you're right to give them your, uh, your, your details. Yes, edit, click edit, because most of the time they only require your name, for example, but you're happily handling over your email address, your date of birth, your friends list, whereas I untick mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. And if then I say, I go next, and it says this app requires your date of birth, I think to myself, why? Why does it require my date of birth? And if I don't see justification for my date of birth being included, I say no. You've got to have that rigidity about your, uh, your use of that Facebook login. Problem is, though, that a lot of these apps, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. Yeah. You, you can't just say, okay, you can have my date of birth, but you can't have my where I live. You, it's, you either have it all, uh, you can untick all of it or not use the app at all. Mm. So that, that's, that's an issue there as well. So I think inherently we're lazy when it comes to – What are you trying oh, to say? We, we, no, well, look, we've got a new app. We want to log in. We couldn't be bothered typing in an email address, coming up with a password. We just hit log in with Facebook. And just hit OK, OK until it's done. So we, in one aspect, we just want to get it. But then we're outraged the fact that our data's out there, that our data's being used. So I, I see that as a little ironic, the fact that we want, we want instant access, but when the, the cost of that instant access is them knowing a little bit about you. So the irony for me is I go, OK, I'm not going to delete Facebook. That's ridiculous. Um, but... Okay, so I'm going to choose now more inherently not to choose that login with Facebook button. So you know what I end up doing? I end up clicking login with Google. Uh, mate, that's using – okay. That, it's, that, it's, it's, it's definitely handing over my email address. Yeah. But what else is it doing? Oh, you know, so deep down, I'm, I'm probably just linking up some other set of data somewhere else. Well, should we You've mention, got to dig much deeper. Should we mention the fact that Google's probably got more data on you than Facebook does? Like yeah. Google's got a solid – like Google knows everything you search for. But, Google but, knows everything about you. The difference is, though, in Google's defence, uh, EFTM or Tech Guide can't build an app so we can build an app on Facebook and, you know, back in 2004 when this Cambridge Analytica thing happened, mm. we could build an app for, you know, Tech Guide, which, you know, was a quiz and took people's data. You can't do that on, on, on Google. You can't, yeah. you can't uh, bring out data, extract data for research or other purposes, right? So, yeah. yes, Google knows about it a, lot, a lot about you. Yes, I, I don't care that Facebook knows a lot about me. 
I'm annoyed that other companies have used that information to profile me or whatever. Not to send me ads. I'm cool with ads, but I'm saying how else is it being used? Now, I I think that what I want to have happen this week from people is they see these new icons and things appear on Facebook whenever they come out. Mm. Just honestly put it in your diary, 15 minutes, half an hour, yeah. just set it aside and do it. I did it the other day uh, when I downloaded my data. I thought, okay, let's, let's clean this up. And you go settings, apps. Right, and they've actually made this a touch easier. You can now tick yeah, multiple I, I apps, the same thing in my um, and, and you can remove a lot of the apps. Now, if you don't recognize, so how I, long would it take you, honestly? Well, I got one hundred and sixty-one of them. Yeah. So I got to I got to click more, 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 and then I click click on each one hundred and sixty-one. Let's call that twenty minutes, and then I hit remove. So They're all gone. All Bang. I haven't done it yet, no. Oh, okay. But I because I had mainly because I had to keep them there for visual purposes yeah, for yeah, stories and things. Yeah. But. I went, okay, I'm not going to remove Spotify because I know that that's inherently linked to my Facebook account. And frankly, I couldn't be asked going to Spotify and unlinking and creating, you know, whatever's required. So I looked at all the apps and I went, I know what that is. I know I am comfortable with why they're using that. But all the ones that I've installed over the years, just click, 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 delete. Once and then never seen again. So, So look, it's basically an opportunity to take a bit more ownership about what you share. Yeah. So they just take the time. Yep. Go, well, the new settings are going to hit this week, are they? The yep. new sim- – I wrote there about that too, the simplified settings and a bit more visible rather than being three layers deep in the menu, yep. it's a bit more up yep. on the surface. Uh, you know, apps is the first thing. And the second thing you do with your half hour is you look at the ads page, right? Mm. On the ads page, it's actually the the most, uh, I guess, graphically or, you know, simplistically designed part of Facebook. It's quite big. The text is bold. And you click on things like my information and there's, there's little toggle switches that says, are you willing to share your relationship status with advertisers? No. Education? No. And you get to choose what you share. Mm. You just say no to it all, right? Yeah, right? And then there's a whole, whole heap of buckets that Facebook has put you in. They call them interests, you know, likes cars, likes tech, likes whatever. Mm. You can delete them all. So if you happen to have, let's say, well, here's an example. I've, I've hit, I'm doing a story on Star Wars. I've hit like on a bunch of stuff. I bloody hate Star Wars, right? <laughs> so I go in and it says Star Wars for me. I can delete that. I can remove yeah. that so that that interest is taken away. That's me taking control of my profile. Yeah. It's, it's Frankly, it's me kind of narrowing down my profile better. I can remove it all, yeah. but you can also just clean up the stuff that shouldn't so be there. The other thing we should mention is the fact that when – Star Wars is rubbish? You, no, not at all. But when Facebook is, a, is an opt-out system, when, you, when you're in it, you, you t- you, when, you, when you join, whenever you install an app, it assumes you want to share everything. Hmm. So you've got to actually go in and opt out of everything. So you, you, it assumes you want to share the lot and you've got to then go in and, like you said, untick the, what you don't want to share. That, that's, it should be – it would never be the opposite because they'd never get any data because we wouldn't be bothered going in and changing it. Yeah. So you just be mindful of that, that they, they're going to assume you want to share everything so you need to then take control and untick the boxes you're not comfortable with. And also, while we're there, I think the final warning to people or you know, security privacy checkup you want to take is who's seeing your stuff? And the good thing is you can set this. So there's there's several levels. There's friends. There's only me, and rarely would you put in the only me because what's the point of putting it there? There's friends, and that's the people who you have accepted as friends. Warning, don't accept people who are friends who aren't your friends. Third is friends of friends, and then there's public. Yeah. Now, by marking stuff as public, it means anything, anything you post as public, the world can see. They go to facebook.com forward slash whatever your yeah. username is or they search for you. This is how the news gets photos of people who've been in accidents and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, they find your public posts. Yeah. Um, then friends of friends is, look, so I'm friends with Stephen Fennick on Facebook, but I'm not friends with uh, your wife, Joe. 
So if I'm ta- if I say friends of friends can see my photos, it means that Joe can see my photos. Yeah. Even though we're not, even though we're not directly friends. And I'm not friends with your wife either. Don't worry. <laughs> On Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask. So it's the bloke's code, mate. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm friends with John Instagram. Oh yeah, really? Is that That's okay? Good. That's okay. We well, cool with that? She's got no choice in the matter, has she? I don't know. You are, isn't that where you just get you follow people? You, no, you, you can't have can't. a locked account. She could be approving people. No, she has, no, she has anyway, um, and then there's friends, which is just the people you, you've you've yep. friended. Now, when you change it to to friends, you can actually lock it down so that all your previous posts are kind of locked down in that way, you know? So it's a solidly smart thing to do to lock down your profile. And you can see when your friends post something on Facebook, you know, have a look at this ridiculous thing. Next to their, next to the time it was posted, there's a little little icon. It's either a, a picture of two people or it's a picture of one person or it's a picture of the globe. Is it three dots? Uh, no, 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 this one here next to the time here. Oh, okay. the, this is what I'm talking about. It shows you um, who it's shared, shared with. with. Friend, yeah, so whether friends. it's a public post ah. or, a, or a friend's post. Right. That's the way you know whether your friends are poor on their privacy. So if they're yeah. posting like, um, you know, photos of their friends or, or photos of their kids and they, they've talked about being, you know, ones that don't want to share with public and it's got the little globe there. Well, so this guy here, John, he's posted that photo to the world. The whole world can see that if they go it's to his public, profile because it's public. public. So there's a little globe next to it. But yeah. the other thing people should take note of, now, now the data is collected so they can direct ads mm. at you, right? Yeah. But if you see an mm. ad in your feed... There are ways for you to interact with it in terms of like you can hide the ad or you can unfollow that particular company. However, that ad has appeared in your feed. If if it annoys you, you can say I never want to see it again. Mm. So there's that ownership as well, where you can you know the, from the back end you can make all your data selections, but also things in your actual feed you've got control over. So I'm just clicking on an ad right now, for example. Well, now this is a company. I can I can click hide ad, report ad. Why am I seeing this? If I click hide ad, it will then give me the choice of saying why don't you want to see it? And I'm it says it's not relevant to me. I keep seeing it. It's misleading, offensive, or inappropriate. So you can have that control as well. So if you if, if ads are annoying you, you can make sure they never appear again. Essentially, those ads. Essentially, what we're saying is take a bit of control. Take some control of what you are doing online what you're sharing online and you know what people are saying online what you're saying online just take a little bit of time and take the time to go into the privacy go into the settings and lock the thing down it's not rocket science it can it can really change the way you interact with what you said is key take the time to sit down spend half an hour do your little facebook uh stock take of your data Worthwhile. Yeah. Well done. Uh, two Bikes Talking Tech episode 338. Thanks to the good people at Netgear and Hisense. Details at techguide.com.au and efgm.com. Now, one of the reasons we haven't uh, you haven't heard from the two blokes for a little while, well, one of the reasons was uh, I was on the Gold Coast last week, but the previous week... Just we keep saying that. You just keep throwing that out there, mate. We were actually in uh, in Chicago, and that, that's my first trip to Chicago. Have you ever been to Chicago? Uh, I went there on a, on a stopover to Milwaukee as a 17-year-old, but that's okay. about it. So, okay. Yeah. 
Well, it's my first ever trip to Chicago. And I got seventeen say, when I was seventeen. It's a lot, not not quite as long ago yeah. as when you were seventeen. Was that about a ten years ago? Was it? Or? Oh, it was a bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, certainly, ten years less than you. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> Chicago uh, was it was a lovely, lovely city. I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I actually took the time to do a little recce on the, some of the shooting locations for the Untouchables. If you want to read that on Tech Guide as well. Really? But the reason we were in Chicago though was for Apple's education event, and it was it was a very it was quite a different event that the to what we're used to from Apple. It's normally held in uh, San Francisco or San Jose, some big some big public auditorium. But in this instance, it was held in a Chicago high school. It was Lane Tech High School. Reason being that the whole theme of the of the show was education, and you know they they label it you know let's take a field trip, and it was obvious that their motivation here was to talk about education and to hopefully launch some educational products. Now we had our we speculated about what we might see. The only product, the only hardware we saw was the new 9.7-inch iPad with Apple Pencil support. So it's kind of the entry-level iPad yeah. now can work with Apple Pencil. <clears throat> but there was a host of other things where they announced uh, everyone can create and all these new little widgets that allow teachers and students to interact online through the iPads uh, to be able to, to control their lessons and, and collect homework and just to make this the to sort of try to unleash the creativity for students and it, it was it was after the event we were and I wrote about sort of my experience of going back to high school we were we were split up into different classes we had a little timetable I hated it and we, we had to actually it was like going back to school it, it was a really interesting way like usually there's a hands-on demo any new product they give you the media hands-on demo area but rather than having a hands-on area, we were actually we had to go to class. We were given class numbers. Once again, I hated it. <laughs> but it was interesting, though, just to to sort of put it in context. We we were put in a classroom. There was a teacher. We had lessons to get through, yeah. and it just made you wonder, like, wow, what this the potential of uh, this technology? And you wonder what what could it have could have been if we had this technology when we were well, at school. Well, that um, as much as I hated it, <clears throat> and as much uh, I, I see why they did it because. Classroom, for example, the, the Apple app that allows teachers to control the iPads in the room. It's not new. Uh, it's been around for many years, um, but I'd never seen it work. So the, the, we were all sitting around a table and there was, you know, five iPads. They're all off. You turn them on. They just say it's locked. Um, and the teacher says, right here, let's do this. And the teacher swipes and they all turn on. They're all in an app that the teacher chooses. Mm. Plus the teacher can open up uh, at any time and see what you're seeing on your screen. So it's this quite amazing technology, frankly. Now, that... That was impressive to see. I'm glad they showed us that. Everyone can create is a brand new app that is a curriculum mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that everyone, everyone can code. This is going to teach people everything from video to photography to a whole range of creative things, which is excellent in terms of creating teaching creativity. Um, the iPad itself is exactly the same on the outside. You couldn't tell the difference except for the fact that on the inside it's more powerful uh, and it has Apple Pencil support. Yeah. So same price, four sixty nine. Display on the screen. Yeah. Same price at four sixty nine. So entry level, which is great. My only problem, mate, is four sixty nine is still a lot of money. Plus, okay. you buy the Apple Pencil. That's another hundred and forty-five. Well, the good news is that the Logitech are going to have a thing called the Crayon, which doesn't yeah. have the same number of pressure sensitivities, but it will allow. It will be cheaper. Let's call yeah. it eighty bucks, maybe. Yeah. But again, uh, you equip thirty kids with iPads. That's fifteen to eighteen grand with pencils. Um, mm. I don't know a public school that's thinking that they can just equip a school, let alone a whole class. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I, it, well, we had that discussion during during the event, yeah. and. I do. I remember, and I remember what you said, and thought, yeah, that, that's a valid point. But the alternative is getting a laptop, 
which is no, 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 twice no, as much. No, I'm talking about the alternative being most classrooms are non-digital, yeah. right? So the problem at the moment is, as we discussed, I think it was on air previously, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're certainly private schools, private private primary as well, and also in high school it's pretty much digital, right? Mm. So in high school your option is do you equip classrooms as a school or do you BYOD? Which you use Publix, public yeah. schools are going to BYOD yeah. because they can't afford to equip well, every my classroom. Kids, my kids went to Catholic school, so you know, I, that was like a semi-private school, and they were given equipment as part of the part of their part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's fine, but the majority of people are in public public schools, yeah. and you know, there's just no way that's ever going to happen, so right? Your kids go to a public my school kids right go now. to a public school. What we do they just, get? Nothing. Private primary school. Nothing. There's really? there's some computers in a in a lab. There's uh that we we just bought some what we call infinity computers, little three hundred dollar laptops yeah, that right. can be managed by the by the by the by the kids. Mm. Um, and we just did a fundraiser last week, a color run, yeah. raised like thirty thousand dollars. Um, wow. like unbelievable, which wow. is going to go towards um ICT, but no. it's it's not going to be used. Can kids to... bring their own device to school or not? No, because there's no because. Because the, the teachers they, aren't. They'd be on their own, maybe. Yeah, they'd be on their own in the classroom. Right. And the so teacher doesn't have any this is the challenge, right? I really feel like we, we need a different discussion that is more around around. Frankly, if this is the way to go forward, how do we how do we push it? You know, how do we push it to the extreme? How do we how do we fund this into schools? But then the problem is, mm. well, let's say let's say you know Malcolm Turnbull says let's do it. Apple or Samsung, like just you know, yeah. then then you've got a problem of you know tenders and Apple winning it, bit, and bit, you know yeah. even though Apple Classroom is unbelievable, I have never seen anything like it from mm. a teacher management perspective. Yeah. How do they win that battle? Because Samsung Price has a whole education yes. department as well. But well, in, as Apple showed in this in this event, now they they've been working in education for forty years. The company just recently turned forty two. Uh, on April Fool's Day was their 42nd anniversary as a company. Mm. And Apple, 40 of those years, have been involved in education and, and trying to uh, show and unleash your creativity using technology. But this shows to me, I think Apple and Samsung may have this much as well, but to me this shows that Apple's really invested in education. They've gone to this amount of trouble. Yeah. They've really gone, you created... I think, I, I think and- if you were sitting on a, on a, on a board doing a, a tender... Yeah. And looking at the responses, I find it hard to believe that Samsung could even come close to matching yeah. what Apple has in education. Where, especially if you took those, you know, decision makers into a classroom like we yeah. were, boom, decision made. Yeah. That was so impressive, decision made. Now, right. uh, you know, the the pencil update is incremental for most people. It doesn't mean it's not a reason to upgrade, but it just puts the four six nine iPad at a at a, at a reasonable um, feature comparison yeah. to the pros. Uh, f- and for example, I bought a nine point seven inch uh, at the end of last financial year. I didn't buy the pro because I don't need the pencil. Yeah. But now I've got a nine point. If, if I was to buy a nine point seven yeah. inch now, you go. Oh, well, at least I've got the option. Yeah. That's the challenge, and it doesn't it doesn't really um, cannibalise the iPad Pro because iPad Pros have got bigger screens. They've got all these other features in the screen, faster, so they're more your laptop replacement type yeah. devices. So I don't think Apple's really hurting themselves there. If like a mobile professional is not going to buy the entry level iPad, they're going to go to the iPad Pro. They've essentially updated yeah. the production line with yeah. a different chip and a yeah. different screen of the same size, you know, and it's a good device. Uh, yeah, interesting. I, I'm it just the. Uh, the cost of ownership, though, I made a point in my – I reviewed it on Tech Guide as well, my, the, the device. It is 469 plus you've got to buy a pencil, which is another $145. So you're looking at over $600 to be using this as an educational tool. So it, it, you're right. It, it's not cheap, but looking at the opposition, Samsung tablets, 
equivalent. Like I know the the Tab Pro S is is up there, but they they've got their Tab A tablets that are they're still three four hundred dollars as well. Two two ninety nine, I think they are. So they're not too far apart in terms of if there was a, a Samsung or okay, Apple decision, the, the the cost is still there. Plus. Uh, the, the I think Samsung also have the, their pencil that capability as well. So cost wise, they're not too far apart anyway. Yeah, and uh, the last thing I'd say is in the classrooms, I would I would highly doubt the school would provide the pencil or the crayon. I think that that would be the the thing the kid keeps in their bag in their yeah. pencil case, so that the school's only funding the the device. The other thing too they announced too, which was interesting, was Class Kit. Now this was for developers so that their app can be. Uh, compatible with the the teacher control. So if you if you like the teacher in our class when we did our class, the teacher opened up the app they wanted us to use on our iPad. Mm. Uh, but, and but, that, that's but, with class kit. The class that, yeah. the class kit allows you not just to open up the app. The app that that kind of comes yeah, with classroom, but go. Yeah, but yeah. class kit allows them to go into the app in a specific place. So for yeah. example, if you ever use Quick Math, which you wouldn't if you don't have young kids, but Quick Math, uh, an Aussie app. You know, you know, there's a bunch of bunch of different kind of tasks, you know, and if you just download the app, you've kind of got to go through the the kids stuff before you get to the good stuff. So what class kid allows them to do is set kind of it's like Call of Duty, right? It's yeah. like saying take them straight to the straight last to mission. Four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you can go into an app at a specific point, and so the teacher can dictate where the kids go into an app, yeah, which is like, a great like way to create a book education. A chapter. Mm. Yeah, right. Exactly, yeah. and I think that's a smart move. So all uh, all big stuff from uh, from Apple in Chicago. The details are at eftm.com and techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And we do it thanks to the good people at Netgear, and you can find the Netgear Arlo Go at Telstra now. This is the uh, the Arlo a home and a remote monitoring camera that has a SIM slot built in. So if you get it through Telstra, $30 a month, a gigabyte of data, it means you can put this anywhere. There's mobile coverage and you can get that wire-free, weather-resistant HD recording of any activity. Great for grey nomads, great for people on building sites, great for people with holiday homes or boats, whatever it is that you want to monitor and you're not there and it's not on your Wi-Fi network or you don't have a Wi-Fi network, the Nitki Arlo Go is perfect. Uh, with a gig of data on the Telstra network at $30 a month, the device comes as part of that as well. So basically you're talking about a 24-month plan, $30 a month, you get the Arlo Go plus the data all in one. Details at, uh, at netgear.com slash Arlo. Uh, well, Stephen, um, a bit of NBN news around I want, I want to talk about. Um, yeah. We talked about Aussie Broadband last show. In fact, um, they've they've introduced unlimited plans, which have is a they? big deal. They must have been listening to the show. Yeah, because Phil Britt, their their boss, originally told me six to eight months ago he wouldn't, he didn't do unlimited plans. Didn't say wouldn't, but didn't do unlimited plans because it was unpredictable. So if you've got a thousand users and you give them a, a terabyte of of usage, right, a thousand gigabytes a month, then you know, you can kind of manage, you know they're not going to use the whole lot on the first day, so you can yeah. kind of see, that way you can predict the usage and you can manage the area. So yeah. he can look at your suburb and go, right, we need this much capacity there. Yeah. Um, he's he's looked at what Telstra and everyone else is doing with unlimited plans and their capacity and the results of the ACCC speed tests and seen that it's it, it's seemingly predictable and he's built that into his his both CBC capacity and the plan. So basically now for 99 bucks or 100 bucks a month, you can get unlimited Sweet. with Aussie Broadband. So, so will they move you up top to that? Tick, yeah, I'm, I, was, I, yeah, I think you've got to choose you it. Choose it? It's a good question. Haven't checked. but that's and If you're a customer, you've got to do something about it. 
Correct, I think. So if you're a customer, you should check it out anyway. Yeah. But I think that's good. That's a good, good move. Yeah. Second, they're doing well, Aussie Brewery, aren't they? They're doing very yeah. well. But, you know, but my problem is I did a segment last week on the Today Show where we were comparing plans, you know, yep. and they, they look awful on a comparison because it's, you know, $100 a month for, for a terabyte Terrible. and everyone else is unlimited. So yeah. we uh, in, in a... In a in a whistle-out sense or a price comparison sense, <laughs> yeah. you can't sell the Aussie broadband network and the speed and stuff in the back end in a, in a comparison chart. Yeah. So they had, to, they had to introduce this essentially to stay competitive. Um, Bill Morrow has stepped down as yes. CEO. Um, I am really disappointed by that and, and I've said that publicly if you like. Oh, yeah. I, I sent him a note as well and said, you know, well done and whatnot. Yeah, but you've spoken from, to from a few times, my point of view, I, spoke, well, I met him um, four years ago when, when he was, was at Vodafone, Vodafone. Yeah, yeah. when we, we went to New Zealand and launched the, the Vodafone $5 a day roaming. Yeah. Um, now, he was a top bloke then and it was kind of my first uh, interaction with a CEO who was a really nice bloke. Yeah. Um, it's not like he's... He's totally matey. He's still, you know, massively at arm links to the to the journos, has his minders and stuff. But yeah. you know, he was a really nice bloke and always gave us gave of his time when when I asked it, you know, in terms of talk back and things like yeah. that. But here's the thing, right? He comes in to the NBN having having turned Vodafone around, yeah. comes into the NBN at the most horrific time essentially, yeah. you know, government change, government in, insisting on a on it a wasn't, technology it wasn't change. Doing too good at the time. And and he he grinned and bared it through it. Now he has to sit through crappy Senate estimates. He has to, you know, put up with government bureaucracy, he has to do all these things. But mate, this thing's on track. This mm. thing's got 3.6 million connections. They've got, they've gone way past half. They've introduced new pricing. The speeds are on the up. The customer, it's all good right yeah. right now, apart from the narcs, who I had another great hour of Twitter time <laughs> last night with. Um, you never get that back yet. Oh, mate, no, yeah, oh, no. I was, I was in bed. Back. It's fine. I don't care. Sleep. Who, who needs it? Um, so anyway, so my, my point is the MBN's a government organisation. So unfortunately, when you go to work at a place, like I worked at SBS for eight years, I never got the, the the drug that is public service broadcasting. It's not really something that I uh-huh. that I have. Yeah. But people I worked with there were passionate about public service broadcasting. Yeah. And working in the public service, that's the, what it is. Now, I say he was earning squillions of dollars. He was there to do a public service. Mate, I think he should stick it out. I think he should have seen it through. I think he should be there on the day when he says, job done. We're, we're there. Well, he's been there, what, four, four and a half years? Which just for a CEO is a very long time, long let's be time. honest. But, but I think you've got to remember when he was he took, took on the job, uh, the NBN was, let, let's face it, it was in chaos. There, there was the, it was all over the place. But he, he was there at a time, I remember we talked about this on, on 2GB last week, the day that it happened, they announced it on a Wednesday. And, and I said that you know he he was there when the rubber hit the road. He was the guy who, when all the connections were happening, he sort of brought law and order back to the to the business, yeah. and he's the guy who steered them in the right direction and put them ahead of slightly ahead of schedule. Got their rollout happening and dealt with all the dramas, dealt with all the complaints, dealt with all the narcs, and has left it now set up the business to to be working pretty well. So I think, yeah, he, he, I don't think – it is shy of the whole completion of the rollout, yeah. but I think he's kind of – he's set the company up in such a way where someone can ta- easily take over and, and it, the company is in a lot better shape than what it is when he started. So I reiterate, I'm disappointed. I think he should have stuck around, but 100% know why he did it. Two reasons. Firstly, massive chance of a change of government next year. Um, you know, liberals are struggling. Mm. Uh, shorten for election next year. The yeah. federal election. Shorten 
despite the fact that he's a complete nufty, is a massive <laughs> chance of getting some votes. So yeah. big chance, right? But it's, so there's a there's a remote chance, even so at, you the, reckon at that's the very one worst. Of the because of the one of the government. reasons why, because if he changes government, he becomes so. Even the Labor government won't change the NBN, right? They cannot. It's too late. Change, it's too late, right? Too late. But to to win over the narcs, you change the team. So you sack the CEO, you put a new CEO in, and you that's what you do. You you make a you say, well, we did this, and that's what's happening now, right? Yeah, right. So he would have gone. He he would have gone. Now the other thing is, uh, so as a CEO, you don't want to be you don't want to be given the ass and then try and find another job. Yeah. So he's better off now being on the market and being sure. headhunted essentially. And I tell you, I, I speculated, and I'll put it here as well. Telstra. You reckon he'll be the CEO of Telstra? Mate, I, I wouldn't rule it out. What does Andy Penn think about it? Well, mate, I'm sure he's not happy. <laughs> I'm sure he's not happy. Really? But, you know, Andy Penn is a great CEO, I'm sure. But is Telstra where it's meant to be? Is Maybe Telstra on track? Jobs, Are you a swap. shareholder? Oh, mate, you know what? Put NBN. Why not rule? Why, we couldn't rule there. that out. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah, I just uh, I thought Andy Penn was sort of well entrenched at uh, Telstra. He's been, been there three years. I don't know. That the, yeah. I don't think. I mean, they're doing good, the, but I don't know they're setting the, the world alight, yeah, right? So. I don't know. What does the board, what do the shareholders well, expect from Andy NBN, Penn? Uh, NBN said they're going to do a global search for the, his replacement. So that's they're going to cast the net far and wide. But, but it's pretty rarefied atmosphere, that that kind of job as a CEO oh, of a head company all that. You, yeah, need, you he, need to be pretty qualified. We've got to remember, Bill's an engineer. He knows the, yeah. he, he can have a conversation with the, yeah. with the nerds in the he's room. Not just talk a, he's about, not just a businessman. Yeah. And, and let's talk about that. Then Fibre to the Curb yes. was, uh, was uh, what I'm switched, hopefully soon. Was switched on in Miranda in Sydney, uh, 1,000 homes uh, yesterday. Right. So this is the technology. Um, I don't know. It seemed to work. <laughs> this is the technology <laughs> that brings – yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> fibre down the footpath. So yep. in your case, so in yep. my case, the fibre is somewhere in the suburb and it comes to me via the Optus, the, 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 the old Telstra TV. Oh, that's Pay right. TV cable. Yeah, yeah. In other people's cases, they've got fibre all the way to their house. In so some now, people's... Ask, what's the difference? You're getting Telstra, so they replace your Telstra cable with fibre. No, no, no. There's no replacement. Oh, they just took over the cable? Yeah, took over the cable. Oh, so it's just, it's just delivering... There was always fibre there. So Yeah, right. Um, HFC. The HFC stands for Hybrid Fibre oh, Coaxial. Yeah. There was always fibre in the network. Okay. That's just the same. Right. Um, fibre to the node is fibre... So does fibre... fibre to the curb? Does that mean mine's going to be better than yours? Yeah, yours is yeah. Well, so theoretically, really, yeah. So fibre to the node brings fibre somewhere in the suburb and a little yeah. box, and you have copper for maybe three hundred meters, maybe a kilometre. Yeah. Um, in your case, you're going to have copper basically ten or twenty metres. So the reason I would argue that's better than mine, as best I understand, I know yeah. there's trials of yeah. you know three hundred meg and stuff, on, or even gigabit over on copper. HFC, no over copper. HFC, yeah. but over copper, over ten metres of copper, you can get some serious speed. So. It's all about that upgrade path. So the what million about, homes that are going to get fibre to the curb are going yeah. to have a greater long-term million, potential. A million, a million homes, yeah. So I'm one of the million. Yeah. My parents also in Maroubra, they're going to get that yeah. as well. Essentially, if you're on the old H- Optus HFC network, you're in the FTTC yeah, zone. Plus, um, there's a bunch of homes that were you know, originally state of fibre to the node that are a long way off rolling out yeah. that are going to get fibre to the curb as well. Okay, so this was part of the – remember how the original plan was fibre to everyone, okay? Yeah. Build it once, build it with fibre. Remember yeah. whoever said that – but Conroy. It, no, it was uh, it was actually uh, Mike Quigley. No, no, it was Kevin Rudd. No, it was the guys are all. There's the mate. That's the Tony three Windsor. amigos. It was Tony Windsor. What? Remember when the, he was one of the independents? That remember when yeah. the, the that hung yeah. uh, election? Oh yeah, and it was forty him. minutes of our lives with Rob yeah, Oakshot, yeah, yeah, right. boring the world. Windsor and I forget the third bloke, the third nufty. But Tony Windsor said. Build it once, build it with fibre, and this bloke had never touched a computer in his life. Was totally tech illiterate, yeah. and he's the one who steered us into the the 
Gillard Rudd government. Yeah, well, good on him. Anyway, but, you know, fibre to the curb was not originally part of the multi-technology mix that right. Bill Bill Morrow brought in because, because it, didn't, it, it hasn't really been tested. Fibre yeah. to the node, HFC, yeah. satellite, fixed wireless were already there, yes, yes. and fibre to the premises. Okay. But fibre to the curb was being talked about in nerdy circles, but hadn't yeah. really been been tested. So okay. essentially, it's been tested, it's been proven, and they've been testing it now here in Australia for six months, so it's ready to go. Unfortunately, it's just timing. I mean, I said on the news last night, I said, listen, if Fibre to the Curb had been available five years ago, four years ago, the whole NBN would be a very different story. Yeah. Um, it would also be cheaper. But you know what? That's not the way it works. The people who probably rightly um, should be annoyed right now are people getting Fibre to the Node because you're getting the, the fourth best fixed technology, Behind fibre to the premises, so I'm going to say fibre to the curb, then HFC, then fibre to the node. But you're still getting better than fixed wireless and better than yeah. satellite. And I argue constantly, literally online with people, that if you're a kilometre from the node, therefore you're only getting 25 or 30 meg speeds, you're probably six kilometres from your local exchange and we're probably getting that one meg worse. speeds. Yeah, true. But can, so, can you know, fibre to the node eventually evolve into fibre to the curb? Yeah, totally. But it's just a cost thing, right? So you've got to wait until, you know, in fibre to the node circumstances, let's say there's uh, 200 homes or something, yeah. um, the NBN would need to see that all 200 homes have signed up to the 100 meg plan and are desperate for it to, to see the value in upgrading that area. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, it's a bit long shot, mate, because most yeah. people don't want the big speeds. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that. Why don't they just give everyone the same speed? Just put everyone on at 100. Well, because people at the other end of the pipe they can't get, get 100 for a yeah, start. Okay. So there's a deception involved where, you know, satellite, fixed wireless, and <laughs> people more than three or 400 metres from the node can't get the 100, right? So you've got to be careful what you're promising people. Yeah, like I'm, I'm one of the fibre-to-the-curb people, and, and it's due to get it from now, from April till June, so hopefully in, sooner rather than later. But um, if I slipped the bloke 100, would he put fibre instead of copper? From I think my, you might need a bit more than 100, sir. <laughs> you have the choice of having the the tech select program on the MBN. Yeah. You can choose Cost to have big money though. I I think you'd yeah. be you know you just spent all that cash on solar. We'll talk about. Yeah. I would suggest it's a whole lot less. You think so? I think you'd be surprised. It's definitely it's under. It's four point. digits. Yeah, four digits. Okay. It's not so five. Nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. I think my my tip, <laughs> five grand. Yeah. Okay. I'm just sort of wondering what what improvement having an extra ten meters of fibre would make to my connection. Would yeah, it be your ability to, to get higher speed plans? Yeah. So, so there's Aussie Broadband sell yeah, 250 speed plans. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But on copper, that wouldn't that with that little connection with copper, that wouldn't get me two fifty. I don't know. You have to wait and see whether they whether they authorise that. We'll Who knows, mate? Yeah, anyway, absolutely. so uh, that's the NBN update for uh, for a while here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, I have spoken. Uh, you did mention my solar setup. I have spoken about it in the past, but uh, there is there is some news to this thing where I I. The, the whole the story behind me getting solar, I, I thought, look, I just want to find out what, what I'm up for, what it would cost. And ironically, it was Natural Solar came over and I, I, they came in my house and it was the 1st of July last year. And it was the day that energy prices went up by 20%, ironically. And the guy who was telling me about what, what's possible, looking at my energy use and all that, he kind of gave me a tip. He said, you know what, if you wait a few days – we're going to announce this new system called Sonnen Flat. And I went, what's that? And long story short, I installed the panels. I've got a Sonnen battery, not a Tesla battery, a Sonnen battery made by a German company. But Sonnen with the Sonnen Flat plan 
have uh, this a system where they link all the batteries. They become your energy retailer. They they get they, they take your account to the electricity company and make it zero. So you're not getting any. You're not a customer of the electricity company anymore. You're a customer of Sonnen. So they become everyone who's got a Sonnen battery. Everyone has has got panels a battery. We all become part of a virtual power plant. Uh, so what? Fast forward to this week. Because I saw it so early, I'm actually customer 0001 in Australia for Sonnen Flat. So the the system is a you know just under twenty about twenty thousand dollars system. I've got twenty seven panels. I've got a, a ten kilowatt hour battery, and the Sonnen the cost to me is forty dollars a month. Depending on your house, you might have a smaller house to be thirty. You might have a larger house it'd be fifty. Basically, it's a flat rate. And for that flat rate, they manage the system for you. You've received power, send out power, and it gives you that certainty of your energy bills. So now I've gone from spending $3,000 a year to less than $500 a year on energy. Now, I could have got a system that can put me completely off the grid, severed ties with the – well, you can't really sever ties with the electricity company because you're kind of linked anyway. But that would have cost maybe two to three times as much as what I paid now. So whether you want to put out that kind of dough is up to you. But the way that I've done it is where you've spent a certain amount and it's now – it's still giving me that off-the-grid feel where it's controlled, 40 bucks a month, less than what I pay for my mobile. My mobile bill's $55 a month. My energy bill for my entire home is now less than that. And to be clear, the forty dollars so we talk about zero dollar bills and stuff like that. You're getting a zero dollar power bill, but you're paying a forty dollar kind of subscription yeah, fee. It's like to be part of the Sonnen mm. flat system. But so yeah, so that's right. From so, Sonnen's point of view, so because they're they're getting the output, they're getting the power. So because obviously there's not you're not actually being kept connected by cables. It's a virtual thing. Um, everyone's connected to the same grid. But Sonnen knows how much power you're overloading into the grid. So you use a lot of power, you save a lot of power, yeah. but you push so that, a bunch they, back in the grid. They, 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 they keep a tally of all that. Yeah. So they get a tally of basically what they've gotten off you and probably sold back to the power yeah. companies. That's how they're making well, that's money. That's what keeps the price down too for us. So, so the, the, they, they make a few bucks on the power that's sold back into the grid. and But they can then say to us, okay, but we can guarantee you're only going to pay this much per month. So it just gives you that certainty with all these dramas like you know the AGL arguing with the government about the Liddell power station and price rises and you know should we go coal burn coal should we go renewables it's just for for average customer for an average user the 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 bill shock of, like you get your energy bill it's it's like a lottery you think geez I didn't realize it's going to be this high especially after a hot summer you might have had your air conditioning running and there's just that uncertainty that that is it bothers people. It, it literally shocks people. Now I think with, and and look, yeah, I did. There's nearly twenty thousand dollars spent, but you think about what you invest in your home. Like the, a, a kitchen renovation would have cost you that much, or a bathroom renovation would have cost you that much. And yeah, it does add value to your home, as I believe the solar system does. But what a kitchen or a bathroom reno doesn't do is pay you back over the years. So that return on investment, my system is going to pay itself off in five years. So the money I'm going to save, and the battery's got a 20-year lifespan, unlike the Tesla battery. we should point out a lot of talk about batteries. And I saw you on the Today Show, people talk about batteries as lifespans. Batteries don't stop working. 
Batteries yeah. just store less energy. Optimum, that's right. Yeah, right. It'll go beyond so, years. so basically, yeah. your battery will still be here in thirty years. It yeah. just, it just might. So, I don't know how how these things are measured. If it's ten kilowatts now, it might only store eight kilowatts yeah. in the future, right? Exactly. Batteries don't stop working. Yeah. If they stopped working, we'd have hybrid Camrys all over the country, yeah. just parked on the side of the road. Yeah. Batteries deteriorate their their uh, optimal capacity. That's what happens. Same with your mobile phone. So. No, this whole lifespan thing is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, the warranty thing is obviously a key one, but again, batteries are pretty simple bits of kit yeah. um, if you if they're looked after. And they're sitting. Yours is sitting inside your buddy laundry. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's only like twenty centimeters off the wall. It's actually not not too big at all. But but a lot of people, obviously, Teslas are quite a visible name in the in the industry. And Tesla battery technology is a little bit different to Sonnen. Sonnen only make batteries for the home, for home storage. Tesla battery technology, the same batteries used in a home and in a, in a car. So it's, it, and look, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Tesla cars, but their battery only has a 10-year lifespan, whereas a Sonnen purpose-built for homes can go for 20. And Sonnen only, and I think we mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago, Sonnen have actually uh, decided to build their manufacturing plant in South Australia. They're going to manufacture the Sonnen batteries in Australia. Mm. So really big opportunity for Australians to get on board. And I think down the track, you're going to look back and think, oh, well, yeah, it's an investment now. But I think moving forward, I reckon it'll become a fact where anyone building a new home, anyone doing any kind of major renovation, I think that's going to be uh, a requirement to have solar panels and a battery. It's yeah. just going to become the new normal in the future. You're certainly mad if you're building a house now, not uh, not putting thought into solar. Yeah. All right, details of uh, Stephen's Sonnen flat system and how you can reduce your energy bill to uh, basically less than your mobile phone at techguide.com.au. See the incredible with the latest ULED TVs from Hisense. The all-new Hisense Series 7 is back, and it's got features customers have embraced, including depth of rich colours and detailed picture quality. With Hisense ULED, Australian customers will always have access to the very best in content and picture quality. ULED is the result of more than 50 patented technologies to bring out the best of its remarkable LCD LED TVs. Key features include 4K Ultra HD resolution, HDR, plus a wide colour gamut and local dimming for a viewing experience that will blow your mind. The stylish ULED Series 7 opens up Netflix to 4K HDR. You can view Stan, Freeview Plus and YouTube all built in. Using the Hisense interface, it's really easy to customise your TV viewing experience and it's been even easier thanks to the ribbon menu. The Hisense 4K ULED Series 7 TVs come in a range of sizes, including including 50, 55, 65, and my favourite, the massive 75 inches. See one for yourself today at your local electronics retailer. Hisense, see the incredible. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, I, uh, I mentioned a couple of times I've been on the Gold Coast. I mentioned it again. You've mentioned it several <laughs> times, mate. You were on the Gold Coast Gold this week. Yeah, right? Well, it's for the Commonwealth. I actually went to the swimming on uh, night one. It was really good. Thanks to our good friends at Optus. But uh, yeah, Optus, uh, they're one of the major sponsors of, uh, of the Comp Games, and they saw this as an opportunity to showcase their 5G technology. And this wasn't just the stuff they, stuff they put on for journos. This was a, a, a little thing they had at, the, at Karawa, which was uh, this, this massive setup to demonstrate 5G to the public. So we went through, first of all, but... The, uh, the the this whole thing's open to the public as well, and and they had demonstrations to show well what is five G? Five G isn't just 
faster speeds. It's lower latency, uh, more bandwidth. So they had all these really cool demonstrations where there was one thing where you used virtual reality to drive a car. They had a robotic arm that for you to play uh, rock, paper, scissors, and it was so fast a response time that it could actually beat you every single time because it was that quick. They switched it back to 4G and you saw the latency was, was noticeable. Uh, they also had a thing where they put us in a van and drove. <laughs> Sorry, I just imagine you know uh, twenty four and Kiefer Sutherland's got to come yeah. and find you now. Well, that's it. But they, they, we did. They they wanted to demonstrate eight K video streaming. So they had this one base station at Kurrawa, and we just drove up and down along the along the beachfront there, and they were streaming through that base station eight K video, and it was absolutely pristine, no buffering, nothing. And it was all powered through that base station. The whole installation at Karawa, do you remember them a few months ago, they mentioned their 5G fixed wireless mm. solution? Yeah. It's going to be out in January 2019. That one unit was powering that whole setup. One, that one unit that customers will be able to buy and use at home. And, and I looked at the so speed. The devices were connected via Wi-Fi to that they unit. Were, well, they were connected via the 5G network to, mm. that, to that unit. Hang on, but the fixed wireless... Hotspot, yeah. which is coming. Well, was, That's a wireless hotspot. It is. At home. It was all connected through that. Yes, right. And they had a TV, uh, a monitor at the front. So they had one single tower on the beach. It's a tower on the beach and a, and and a five G in this in this in, uh, in, the in the display area. Yes, they had a little they had a little lab, little little chamber where it was set up, and they had the cells all around it. But and they had a monitor at the front, and the speed at that point was sixteen gigabits per second. It was putting out. So that's, that's pretty impressive. But they uh, they had all these other virtual reality things where I, I, I put the virtual reality goggles on and was uh, goalkeeping and the, the ball had all the sensors on it My I had the, the gloves on. And you think about it, if the latency isn't there, the ball's going to hit you. It's going to be a couple of seconds too late. The ball's going to hit you. But because of the, the low latency, it was real time. I was able to catch a ball midair using virtual reality. If, if that was 4G, it would have hit me in the face. I, would have, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to catch it properly. But uh, it was a really interesting demo of what we perceive 5G to be. And it's not just, yeah, you can download a movie faster. There's all these other things involved that I've talked about on Tech Guide that allows you to do more. The, the, the network's going to be so much more capable when, it, uh, when it's finally – and look – we're not going to see it for a couple of years. Uh, I had a chat with uh, Alan Liu and their, their head of uh, networks, Dennis, as well. Dennis Wu, I think his name is. He, he was saying that, look, we're, we're looking at handsets second half of 2019. If then, it'll probably likely to be 2020 before we see a device. That Bottom line, Samsung Galaxy yeah. S11 and iPhone 15. Um, <laughs> the 2020 flagships will be 5G, but not the 2019 flagships. So we're a long way off. But really interesting demo and um, some examples and some photos and even video up at techguide.com.au. Now, Stephen, you love your Call of Duty. I don't play a lot of first-person shooters. Um, but I've got to be honest, I've lost oh, 15, 20 hours of my life <laughs> in the last week and a half yeah. on Far Cry 5. for my review copy. Um, it's exceptional. Uh, now, I've not played, played any, any of the No, I've not played any of the yeah, previous Far Cry, yeah, so I, I wasn't aware of the style <laughs> of game and stuff. But yeah. I've found my genre. Okay, because so the is reason it first person or third person? Can you see yourself or not? Or just first person? First person, no, you, okay, can, cool. you can't see yourself. Um, so, well, the reason I don't like Call of Duty, I love oh, it's an amazing game, amazing, but I didn't finish. I've not finished the game because I don't do campaigns. I don't do, you know, I don't do a movie from start to finish because oh, I get stuck somewhere. It annoys me, and I, I move on. 
I go, I go back to something else, right? Okay. That's yeah. my problem. That's why I don't complete those things. Yeah. And I don't do online gaming, as we've discussed before, because you, you jump into a world with a million other people and you just have to try and have some fun and they're, they're the, the most skilled people and they kill you. It's just boring. So, Like I did that time. Far, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Far Cry 5, um, when I interviewed the creative director or the executive producer, some dude, um, Dan Hay, um, I said to him, I said, mate, oh, here's what I like. I like Grand Theft Auto because I can get into the game and just play it, free roam, do my best, not whatever. He goes, I said, is it like that? He goes, mate, after the initial setup, you're off, you're on your own. The initial setup is like watching a movie and being part of it, you know, maybe 20 minutes where you where you go into this Hope County and there's a cult leader. You've got to arrest him. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he gets away. Um, <laughs> and then you spend the rest of the game tracking him and, his, him and his people down. Now, the map on this thing is enormous. Like, you get a helicopter and fly from one to the other, it takes... 10 minutes. Like, it's a bloody right. big map, so it's right? It's huge, huge so sandbox. You, so you're not limited to say, okay, you've got to go stage one, stage two. No. You can you can go wherever you want. So you can find like the missions, right? The missions exist all across right. the map. You, you stumble across you a, a farmhouse and there'll be a person there and they'll say, mission, you press a button, you go into the mission. I'm like, no, I'm out of here. I'm going back into the woods. Okay. I'm just going to snipe people. <laughs> um, but, and, you know, you just like, you can, you can I, I spent 70 bucks of, of Aussie, Aussie dollars and bought the, the in-cash coin because I want to buy the helicopters and the guns. I don't want to wait. <laughs> right, so I bought everything you can have, basically. And so I can now just go to a spawn point, get a helicopter and just fly around, just fly around, enjoy it and go, oh, that's interesting, and land there and, you know, find out if there's a mission there and yeah. do some stuff. It's, mate... It's an excellent game for casual gamers, right? Yeah, right. And here's the thing, and Chris Bowen said this to me the other night on a headset. He goes, oh, my God, we've become online gamers because <laughs> um, he's got a PlayStation. I'm using yeah. it on the PlayStation. And we, just the two of us, can play co-ops. I'm not in some weird thing with millions yeah, of weirdos around the world. I together. can continue my campaign with him. Yeah, right. So he hadn't played it much, and I've brought him along with my campaign. So he's basically helping me finish the game. It's great. Yeah, sweet. Um, and, you know, really get into it. So, mate, I've got to tell awesome. you, you've got to have a go. It's I think you'd be very impressed by oh, the graphics okay. and no, the story. I'll ask for a copy, yeah. And yeah. maybe maybe I'm willing to come let you into my co-op oh, game oh, because nice, I'm right? not bad at this one. So can you play, uh, apart from the co-op, that's that's multiplayer. Can you play? Is there an online component? Are you playing? I'm sure there people? is. I don't want a bar of it. Yeah, right. Okay. I just want to be part of so the, the campaign. So you've got to complete missions and tasks, and you got to, you got weapons and yeah. So you know, and, and and the great the other thing about it I like is you know death doesn't mean death straight away. You, you're kind of lying on the ground. Your partner can revive you and stuff, okay. so you don't lose the whole thing. I'd but you know, you thanks, mate. I'd, I'd leave you for dead. <laughs> you stumble across a small town and you're like, oh my god, this. Oh, we'll do this, bang, bang, bang. But then there's like a million people. And you're like, oh my god, we need. We need to go out. We need to recruit some people. We need to come in. So, mate, really good game. Really enjoyed it. I'll put okay. some pics in my review up at EFTM.com. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, Stephen, to wrap it up, a couple of wonderful reviews. Uh, the Jabber Elite 65 Ts. These are the these are the current trend, mate. Fully yes. wireless earbuds. Kiss the cables goodbye. Uh, the Jabra Elite 65T. Jabra already make some pretty good Bluetooth uh, earphones and headphones. They, uh, <clears throat> they've got They've obviously moved into this wire-free space with the 65T. Uh, and look, everything to love about them, they're only about the size of a five-cent piece, about one and a half centimetres thick. Uh, they have, they fit really well. They, they create that little, uh, that noise-cancelling seal in your ear. And the thing with that, though, and the big the big difference between these and the AirPods, for example, they create that seal where you can hear your footsteps in your head, and you know when you you know what I mean oh, when you're yeah, on a run yeah. or you're walking, you're eating, you can hear everything through your head because of that seal. Yeah. The AirPods don't actually have that seal, so 
the, that's one advantage of the AirPod, but the disadvantage of the AirPod is they, at the higher volumes, you sort of miss out. You don't get quite the higher volume yeah. that these can provide. So yeah. there's a little bit of give and yeah, there's a little bit of give and take there. But generally, audio quality excellent, good bass, really nice detail, no distortion, even blasting these things, very little distortion at all. So really good, and they come with the charging case as well. So you get five hours of use, put them in the charging case. There's two more charges on board, so 15 hours in total. Uh, they also come with a really good app. The companion app lets you set up your personal equalizers, lets you easily update the firmware, uh, to control how much outside noise you hear. Important if you're on a run or something, you don't want to be totally noise isolated in that aspect. Also, I use them also on a couple of calls and the, the feedback I had was I could hear the people really well. But to them, it sounded like I was standing in the middle of a room talking on my speakerphone. So it's right. sort of, they said I sounded a little bit distant, but they could hear me and understand me. Uh, they've got uh, also noise cancellation, sort of to, to say if you're outdoors, it'll sort of isolate the wind. You won't hear that wind blowing through through the microphone. So gen- all in all, I think uh, you know, two hundred ninety nine bucks. They are more expensive than the AirPods, yep. but uh, if if you do like your volume in your music, these will deliver. Uh, naturally, I think the first choice for an iPhone user, the first one they'd consider would be the AirPod. But as we mentioned, the the disadvantage of the AirPods is that if you want to bl- go full volume, it's not going to be as close to the full no, no, volume. True disadvantage of the AirPods, you look like a dick. No, no, I disagree. I think these are okay. These fit completely in your ear. They do stick out of your ear a little bit further than AirPod, but they're very comfortable, though. They've got the tips, the silicon tips on board, so you can customise it to fit you very well. Uh, I like it. $299, the Jabra Elite 65T. Full review, techguide.com.au. Mate, I didn't review this. I sent it straight back. Um, because I don't drink coffee. So I'm glad you did, mate. Jura Z8. The Jura Z8. This is a coffee machine for serious coffee lovers. This is, you know, we're talking a machine that costs more than $4,000 here, okay? So this is a machine for serious coffee lovers. It is, uh, it, it's, it's the setup at home. You need a bit of bench space, actually. It's got a, quite a decent mm. footprint. It's got a touch screen, so you can choose whatever drink you want. There's all these different brews, lattes, you know, cap, cappuccinos, whatever you want. Uh, you All you need to do is put the beans in the top, put the water in the side, connect your milk, your milk jug if you want to have milk as well. Uh, but then it's all press of a button. So uh, it is. It is that sort of for that amount of money. It does offer you that one touch convenience. Uh, but again, it sounds like you're in a bloody than, cafe too. Yeah, it does. It the does. whole well, thing. Look, I think if you really love your coffee, and let's, I, I did a bit of math here. Like if you spend, if you have two coffees a day, four bucks, four bucks of coffees, right? Four bucks beach coffee, two a day, that adds up to two thousand nine hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So if you're invested in your coffee, and you Tell really the price, like coffee, son. yeah, it's 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 four. It's officially it's four thousand. Uh, where have I got it here? Four thousand four hundred ninety. But I have seen it for three triple nine in stores. But the other thing is, you're not buying all those coffees at home, so there is an issue. Yeah, there is that. But like, and I think that's half the. Bottom line, you got to love your coffee. Yeah, exactly. But the the thing with coffee is that. It's a social thing. You, you you go out for coffee. You meet people and have coffee. So if you if you love your coffee, you want to be at home, if you like entertaining guests as well, you have them over for coffee, then this this will work. Brilliant technology. Makes great. The, the coffee, the cafe, the coffee quality, the crema, really beautiful. The, the foaming, the milk, excellent. So you'd think you'd think that'd be the case for a four thousand dollar machine. You'd hope so. Works really well. The Jura Z eight. Uh, it's four thousand four hundred and ninety nine, but I've seen it for three triple nine. 
Uh, my review is on Tech Guide, and if you're a coffee lover, then worth worth taking a look. By the way, it's pronounced Eura. Yeah, Eura. Is that right? Jura. So not Jura. So because I don't drink coffee, yeah. you remember I did this Eura. on the Today Show. Yeah. So well, I did. did a I did. I did coffee machines, yeah, yeah. and um, I was quite nervous about it. I'll be honest, because I'm like, a, what an idiot! <laughs> I don't drink coffee. But it's like when um, you talk about Star Wars. I, yeah, 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 yeah. So I put it. Um, I put it on Facebook, and a guy in my area, dad at the local school, yeah. um, sells coffee beans or something. Anyway, so I sent him a private message. I said, "Mate, can you watch this for me and just be honest?" He wrote back and he goes, "Mate, as soon as you pronounced it Eura, you had me." You did well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go. So I'm like, yes, well, I go. win the coffee lovers. No anyway, sent me the pronunciation yeah, guide, I but I noticed um, that as well. They didn't. Uh, yeah. It was someone, someone that tipped to yeah. me before the okay, uh, before the go. show. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Quattromani, in fact, who's a coffee yeah, nerd yeah. like you. Well, uh, anyway, the Euro Z8, well, right. um, nice. a very nice machine. Yeah. Uh, Techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Radio Stephen, that's it. Three three eight. Let's do another show next week. I propose that we do three three nine next week. Absolutely, yes. We're moving up now definitely i know uh, i promise i won't be going to the gold coast again oh yeah cheers Next i can't week. make any promises <laughs> two blokes talking to you.